in Psalm 118. And the title of my message is found down here in verse 22. That's where I'm going to, that's why I'm using this particular psalm tonight, because our Old Testament pictures of Christ continue with them. And I use things that I get from Brother Henry Mahan and some of his studies. But, uh, you know, Martin Luther said about this particular psalm, he said, this is my psalm, my chosen psalm. He said, I love them all. I love all the Holy Scriptures. For it's my consolation. It's my life. But this psalm, this 118th psalm, is nearest to my heart. I have a particular right to call it my own. It saved me from many a pressing danger. And it is my friend, dearer to me than all the honors and powers of the earth. Would to God that all men would claim the psalm as especially theirs. And that verse there, verse 22, that is mentioned several times in the New Testament. Our Lord himself was the first one to use it and quote that verse, that particular verse out of Psalm, the 22nd verse. But he's the chief cornerstone. Said the stone which is the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. But now I just want to go down through this and make some comments on it as we go. And hopefully we'll see the Lord Jesus Christ in this psalm. The first thing David says, and this is a psalm of David, he wrote it, but it's also about our Messiah, about our Lord Jesus Christ, our dear, blessed Savior. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Oh, and what for? For He is good, and His mercy endureth forever. His mercies, all His spiritual mercies, all His temporal mercies, you know where they come through? All spiritual blessings are given us in heavenly places in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says he is good. God is good. I mean he is good. We, are, we think a lot of things are good, but God is good in his nature. That's his very nature to be good. When Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. You know what God said? He said, I cause all my goodness to pass before you. That's what I'm going to do. Cause all my goodness to pass before you. And I tell you what, in all goodness that we have in this world comes from Him. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift. And then, look what it says here in verse, in, in verse 1, that in His mercy endureth forever. You know, when God is good, to shows us His goodness. He shows His goodness in us. And he shows his mercy to us. You know, I tell you, if you know who you are and what you are, you know you're an undeserving sinner, that you deserve nothing from God. And then when he turns around and gives you mercy, new mercies every morning, and he gives it to wondrous mercy, I mean, wondrous mercy he gives to the most undeserving sinners whatsoever. That publican said, God be merciful 
to me, the sinner. And if you know what you are by nature and how desperately you know that you need God's mercies. And that's why they're eternal mercies. That's why, you know when he said he caused his goodness back before him? You know what he said his goodness was? He said, I'll have mercy. I will have mercy. Not only will I have mercy, but I'll also have compassion. Well, who will you show that to? People that don't deserve it. Huh? People that don't deserve it. And then look what it said in verse 2. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Now when he's not, when he talks about Israel here, he's not only talking about Israel that he brought up out of Egypt, but he's talking about spiritual Israel, all of God's people, all Jew and Gentile. I'm going to show you, and you've seen this before. Look in Romans chapter 2. Look in Romans chapter 2. I want you, you know we've seen this, but here's the thing about it. I seen a big sign the other day, a big billboard said, you know, pray for the peace of Israel. And pray, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And they teach that in fundamentalism and teach that in premillennialism that you always, if you run across a Jew, pat him on the head because he's the son of Abraham. And pray for Jerusalem so when Christ comes over there, he can set up his throne and won't have to destroy anybody. But that's as foolish as you can get. Because when he talks about God, you know, his mercy endures forever. Let Israel say it. Let Israel say it. Now, I'm going to tell you who Israel is. Look there in verse 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, that has nothing to do with it. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. That's really don't amount to anything. But now listen to this. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. In the heart now, listen. And circumcision is out of the heart. God takes the clean uncleanness off of your heart. And that's where the issues are. The heart. And it's in the spirit. And not in the letter. The law don't have nothing to do with it. Whose praise is not of men. We can't praise men for what God's done for us. God gets all the glory for circumcising our hearts taking the uncleanness away from our hearts and putting the Spirit of God in us and that's where we're we're a bunch of Jews. Spiritual Israel. Ain't you glad that? (laughs) Next time I run across a Jew somewhere I said, I'm one too. Well, what tribe are you from? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, God has chosen His elect. Chosen his precious people. Entered into a covenant of mercy with them. Covenant of grace with them. And I tell you what, they're all, they're only his people. And now look what it says there in verse 3. <clears throat> Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endures forever. Now when he says the house of Aaron, Aaron was the first high priest and all the Levites, his descendants were priest over the tabernacle and served in the tabernacle. But now when he's talking about priests here, they were the only ones allowed to go into the holiest of holies and over the high priest with the sacrifice of others. But we are called priests of God. I mean, the scriptures tells us clearly and plainly in First Peter and over in Revelation that God made us priests unto himself. 
But now what do we offer? We don't offer no sacrifices. We don't have no blood sacrifices. We don't sacrifice anything that we have in our hands to him. We don't sacrifice anything. Sacrifices that we make before him are spiritual sacrifices. It's the fruit of our lips. When we offer thanksgiving, when we offer praise, when we sing songs that honor him, those are all spiritual sacrifices. And I tell you, we're called priests, and I'll tell you what, and, and you know, and you know how we got into the holiest of holies? By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? We all get to go there. We don't have to have somebody go for us now. We can go ourselves. Let us come boldly under the throne of grace to find mercy and obtain mercy, to find grace and obtain mercy in the time of need. And I tell you what, I tell you, I, I, we especially, especially offer the sacrifices of praise unto Him. And we offer spiritual sacrifices. What I'm doing right now is a spiritual sacrifice. There's no, it doesn't, add anything to me and it won't add anything to God it won't add anything to anything the only thing we offer is our prayers our praise and our thanksgiving and that's all God will accept people who want to come with something in their hand that as though him writer said in my hands nothing I bring simply to the Lord Jesus I cling now look what else it says here now now verse 4 let them that fear the Lord say his mercy endureth forever. Now, you know, they used to talk about God-fearing men. They'd say that there's a, he's a God-fearing man. That's a God-fearing family. And that's what we need to re, 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 return to that, God-fearing. You know, I'm a, a, a real God-fearing person. And what that means is they become conscious of their sin and their need, and they're deeply conscious of God's mercy and the need of God's mercy. And that's why let them that fear the Lord say, His mercy endureth forever. And I tell you what, beloved, He said, If the Lord should have mark iniquity, who would be able to stand? But He never stopped there. He said, But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Huh? Now look what He said here in verse 5. And I called on the Lord, David said, I called on the Lord in my distress. Out of distress, in my distress, the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Now when the Lord heard David, David, he took David and set him on a throne. That's what it means in a large place. Set him on high. Gave him a large house. Gave him a large room. A large, I mean his house. He set him in a large place. And i tell you something else, beloved. And our Lord Jesus Christ. You think David sat on a throne. And God gave him a large place. He gave the Lord Jesus Christ the highest place. And the largest name, the largest dominion of anybody in this universe is his own blessed son. Huh? I mean, he exalted him when he raised him from the dead. Exalted him and set him down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And then our Lord Jesus Christ, because he is so large, and when we were in our distress, called on him, he recalled on him, and our Lord Jesus Christ became our shepherd. He made us lie down in green pastures. We lie beside the still waters. 
And I tell you what, and ultimately, ultimately, since Christ saved us out of our distress, ultimately we will be in glory with him forever. Huh? Oh, I tell you, God set him at his own right hand, exalted him. And then, oh, listen, I love these two verses right here. Listen to this. Verse 6 and 7. The Lord's on my side. Well, need to say anything else? <laughs> the Lord's on my side. Well, what else are you going to say? If God's on your side, if God be for you, who can be against you? The Lord is on my side. He's already going to be afraid. What can man do unto me? And the Lord, listen to this and now. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. Oh, the Lord's for me. That's the most blessed thing that God be for you. If God be for us, who can be against us? It's God that justified us. It's Christ that died. Who's going to lay anything to the charge of God's elect? And I tell you, man can do nothing more than God says, you can go this far. Man can come and he can do some things to you, say some things about you, and maybe even hurt you sometimes. But here's what he says. He said, I'll not let a man can only go so far. Saul tried to kill David countless times. And David never got a hair on his head touched by Saul. Huh? And I tell you, look what else he says. The Lord took my part. (laughs) What part did he take? All of it. What part did he leave out? None of it. He took our part against sin. Took our part against God's justice. Took our part against death. Took our part against hell. Took our part even against ourselves. And our flesh. He took our part. Oh my. And he's going to reign until one of these days the last enemy that's against us Well, death shall be destroyed once and for all. And you know when that's going to be? When the resurrection takes place. When the last enemy is destroyed, death. When the judgment's done and death and hell is cast into that bottomless pit. Death is over and done with. And you know the only people that's going to live? It's the Lord's people. That's right. That's right. I'm telling you. Our Lord took our part. Ain't no enemy, ain't no enemy gonna come against us. Life or death, angels or principalities, nothing can defeat us or separate us from the love of God in Christ. And then look what he said here in verses 8 and 9. These last two verses I read, and we're going down through there. You'll see what, what, what I'm trying to do here. Uh, it said here, it is better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Now, you know, if a fellow's got any sense at all, God gives him any sense at all, it's a wise thing, a wise thing to trust only in the Lord. He's got the will. He's got the power. He's got the immutability. He's got the promises. He's got everything that we need. And now he says, don't put no trust in man. I've often, I, I thought, when I looked at that today, I thought, well, how many times 
have I failed people because I'm a man. Man does not have any of the attributes of God. And how many times have you put your confidence in a man and that man let you down? And when you put too much confidence in them, you get discouraged when they fail you. You get in despair. You get sometimes say, oh, why would they do that? Why would they say that? How would they treat me that way? So I tell you what, when you don't, that's why the Lord said, put your trust in the Lord. Put no confidence in man, any man. I tell you, you know, man, the best man, the best man that ever lived, the scripture says altogether vanity. And I tell you, men have feet of clay, and I have learned the hard way, and I know you have too, that you put your confidence in a man, and when he you see him say or do something, and well, well. And you say, Why did I put my what I'm gonna Lord break me of that. Well, I'll tell you what, that that and then not only that, it's better to put trust in the Lord to put confidence in princes. Now when he talks about princes, what's he talking about? He's talking about our leaders. He's talking about the powerful people, the power the power and the the, the what they call the movers and shakers. All the powerful people and all the things you know, they get out there and want everybody to hear what they got to say. He said, don't you put no confidence in the pre, in the princes. Don't put no confidence in anybody other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Governments come and governments go, but Christ stays the same. Huh? And I'll tell you, I, I, I ain't watched the news since January and uh, only what I get is run across my phone and I try not to read it if I can help it. It just, it just, it just, all you say is, well, I won't tell you what I say. I won't tell you how I feel. But it ain't good. It ain't good. Because you know, the minute you look at a prince or somebody in a position of power, you'll say, that's all you do. And that's all we need to do from now on. Just don't say nothing. Just shake your head. <laughs> Just shake your head. Oh my. Now look on down here now. And look verse 10 and 12. This is, this is. Now I stopped at verse 9. So you know now I'm going to take it up here. And then you all follow me. All nations come past me about. But in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compass me about. Yea, they compass me about. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They compass me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Now all the nations around Israel and around Judah, where they were all enemies of Israel, completely surrounded by them. And when David faced God's enemies, and the first enemy he faced was Goliath, and he slew Goliath when he was just a lad. But he did it in the name of the Lord and he did it in the power of the Lord. And I tell you, he defeated them. But these verses especially mention our Lord Jesus Christ. Because you think about him. How many people was compassed about him? How many, you know, you go to Psalm 22 and you look there in Psalm 22, all the dogs that got around him. All the bulls that got around him. And here he says that the, uh, he said I was he said who hath believed thy report? For he said he shall come up before him as a 
root out of dry ground. There's no comeliness, no beauty about him that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of all men. All men. And I tell you, he comes up here and then all these people and enemies of our Lord, they were like bees. You know, have you ever been attacked by a bunch of bees or a bunch of hornets or a bunch of yellow jackets? We was off way down in a place called Hellhole, digging ginseng, years and years ago. And we was down in there and a fella stepped in a whole nest of yellow jackets. And he was covered up with them. I mean, they covered him up. All you seen was this yellow cloud around him. And everybody run left him to himself. I mean, I, you know, ain't nothing you can do. He, you know, you're trying to get away from him, get away from him. But I, bless his heart, that was one of the awfulest things I've ever saw. But this is what they said about our Lord. You think a bunch of yellow jackets getting on you is bad. You think about all the people like a bunch of bees buzzing around the Lord Jesus Christ trying to destroy him. And then he goes on to say this about him. And he said not only that, but he says they're, they're like thorns. He said they're like a bunch of thorns. Thorns are very, very painful. But all thorns are fit for us to be burned. But oh my, how they can cause great pain. And our Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of his God, in the name of his blessed Father, he called on God, God glorify me. Glorify me. You sent me to glorify me, now you glorify me. And I tell you what, he called upon God, trusted in God, and and God accomplished his purpose, and Christ has defeated all these things that was against him. All of them is against him. Huh? Oh my. Christ destroyed all our enemies and he destroyed all of his own enemies. And now look here in verse 13 and 14 with me. Oh my. He said, I'll destroy them. He said, I'll destroy them in the name of the Lord. Christ said, oh Father, you sent me to glorify you. And he did. I mean... They gathered around him everywhere he went. There's everybody that was anybody turned thumbs down on Christ. Only kind of people that got around him was people that did not amount to nothing as far as the Jews were concerned. A bunch of fishermen, unlearned men, just a bunch of nobodies. But that's who sinners is ones who was drawn to Christ. And okay, now look here in verse thirteen and fourteen. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. You know, it's in the name of the Lord and power of our Lord Jesus Christ that his enemies were destroyed when they came on him. And like David said, you know, he said, when my enemies came upon me, the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength, my song, my salvation. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand, and now, beloved, we say, the Lord, help me. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song. The Lord is my salvation. Huh? That's what we say in our Lord Jesus Christ. Then look here in verse 15. Yeah, verse 15 and 16. 
The voice of, the rejo- voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. When David was ascended to the throne, all Israel rejoiced. Oh my, they rejoiced. They were so happy. And, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the way it was. And that's the way he is with us. You know that he's raised to his throne and all heaven and earth now rejoices on account of the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You remember when I talked about there in Revelation, I believe it's 4 and verse 5 and verse 2, when that great white horse come out through there with that sword on his side going forth conquering and to conquer. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Here he comes conquering and to conquer. And I tell you what, you know, on account of the victory of our Lord, of what? Open up your doors, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord mighty in power, the Lord mighty in victory. And they said, that's where our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's at God's right hand, and you talk about doing valiant, valiantly, and is exalted. God said, the Lord said unto my Lord, said it right, right hand, tell him, make your enemies your footstool. And oh, look at this one now. Verse 17 and 18. David said, I shall die, but live. How are you going to die and live, David? <laughs> I shall die, but live, and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. David, like all of us, know that he has to die physically as all men die. But he also said that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I'll be satisfied when I awake in his likeness. And that's what he said. He says, you know, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. And our Lord Jesus, I preached on a Sunday, whosoever believeth on me shall never die. Never die. The body will, but we'll never die. That's what David is talking about. That's what our Lord is talking about. And this is, and and then it says he is chastened severely for our sins. You know, we were chastened for our sins. Severely chastened for our sins. Christ was. By his stripes we are healed. God laid the rod to his back in his wrath. God poured out his wrath on him, chastened him severely for our sins, bruised for our iniquities, wounded for our transgressions. Oh, he did it. He did it. And our Lord Jesus Christ, he said, he shall not die but live. And when he was buried, he said, he shall see no corruption. And our Lord Jesus Christ, though he died, he forever lives, and because he lives, we live. We live. And then look here in verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I'll go into them, and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Now who in the world can enter into a place where there's a gate of righteousness? Huh? Who can do that? Who but the Lord Jesus Christ 
has gates of righteousness and can be opened only by Him and only opened to Him. It was by His obedience, by His blood, the gates are open for you and me. Huh? Oh, they're open to Him, but the holiest of holies by Him and His people. And that's what he says. He said, This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. That's the only way we can enter is through Him, by Him, and because of Him. Huh? He's our sanctification. He's our righteousness. He's the one that finished our faith. He's the author of our faith. And our righteousness, our righteousness is only in Him. And I thank God that I don't have one of my own. Because if I did, I'd, I'd be lost. That I, God, He said, here's this gate of righteousness. Who can go through it? Christ can. Then He says, where were the righteous? How did they go through? Same way He did. By, through, and because of Him. Because of what He did. What He did. Now look here in verse 22. And I'm going to praise Him. He said, oh, in verse 21, I'm going to praise Him because He heard me and become my salvation when we went through that gate. And the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is marvelous. This is the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. Now I want you to look with me in Matthew 24. See where our Lord mentioned this. It's mentioned in Acts chapter 4. But here in, in uh, Matthew 20, 24. Oh, excuse me, Matthew 21. I'm sorry. Matthew 21. And I believe it's verse 42 that we want to look at. 21, 42. Our Lord just got through telling the Jews that he's, everything that they had is going to be taken away from them. All their hopes, everything. They'll all be going to take it away from him. And... Uh, he told them how that they they was going to have everything taken away from them, and they said, "Oh my, how in the world is this going to happen?" Listen to what our Lord said, verse forty-two. Jesus saith unto them, "Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? All the Jews and all the religious men of his day, and even to this day, men reject Christ." This is the stone which is the head of, which the builders rejected. Now listen to this. The same, that same stone that they said, we don't want it. We don't have one. You know, they told Peter, James, and John, said, don't you ever go and preach in this man's name again. You shut up. We don't want to hear his name. Don't you go anywhere else and say anything about him. If you do, we're going to get you. We'll put you in jail and we'll even kill you. First thing they do that's what they said. That's what Peter quoted to him. Said, "Don't you remember what the Scripture says? The stone which the builders rejected. Listen to what he says now. <laughs> the same is become the head of the corner. <laughs> oh, you know, put it right there. We're going to have to build on that one. That's the one. That's the rock that you have to build on." That's the one where the whole building is going to be built on. That's where all of God's work's going to be built on. And oh my. And listen to what he says. This is the Lord's doing. God done this. 
God done this. He blinded these. He made them reject Christ. He done it. This is the Lord's doing to give us this cornerstone. And I tell you, for all of His people and His elect, it's marvelous in our eyes. It's marvelous. We delight in it. Oh, He's the, He's the tried stone. He's the precious cornerstone. And I tell you, He's the sure foundation. They may refuse Him, but God set Him to be the only one. And then here's my last thing. Verse 24. And I'm done. This is the day. What day? The day the stone became the head of the corner. The day that they rejected Christ. But it's also the day that the Lord made. The day of Christ coming into this world. The Lord made that day. Huh? The day of Christ going to the cross, the Lord made that day. The day of His blood shedding, the Lord made that day. The day of His dying, the day of His burial, the day of His resurrection, everything I ever did, it was the Lord's day. Everything, this is the day God made it, He made Christ to come into this world. And you know what? We all say, we all say, we're going to rejoice in that. And we're going to be glad about it. <laughs> Ain't that right? Huh? Oh, yeah, it's the Lord's doing. That's marvelous. I love it. And we're going to say yes. Amen. Lord, thank you for your day. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for being with your dear people tonight. I thank you that you bless them to hear, bless them to listen. I'm thankful that I've got a hearing. And God bless these dear saints. Lord, bless them. Oh, bless them, bless them. Meet the needs of their homes. Meet the needs of their hearts. Meet the needs that they have on their jobs. Things they have to deal with in this world. Shield them. Give them your grace all around them. Put a hedge around them like you did Job. And Lord, keep them. And again, we pray for our brethren that's traveling. And we'll please see them safely. Give them traveling. Give them your traveling mercies. And do it for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. For saving my soul, thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation. So full.